guys, I am here today with popular political YouTuber Black Pigeon Speaks, who I have actually had on my channel before for an interview. So if you're interested in watching that, it was several months ago, I'll link it below. But thank you so much for joining me, Pigeon. I appreciate your time. Oh, it's, it's excellent to be back and chatting with you as well. So just for those who don't know you, I'm sure everyone who subscribed to me already knows you, but just for the, the one person who might not, can you just give a brief introduction of yourself as well as like the main issues that you particularly like to cover on your channel? Okay, sure. Um, on my channel, I definitely focus in on things that pertain to the ongoing problems that we have in the West today. Mm -hmm. uh, that can be anything from the migrant crisis in Europe. It can also uh, be about immigration and how that affects things like housing prices or economic uh, understanding of, of what this creates for our societies. I also talk about, you know, just off-topic stuff too, you know, because I don't want to just completely... Uh, subsume myself in one topic. I talk about urbanism. I talk about military matters, and uh, stuff that I'm quite interested in is things like uh, the Federal Reserve and other things that are directed toward the economy in general. So, um, yeah. So my channel, I, I put out maybe a couple of videos a week. Uh, sometimes, if I get really motivated, I can put out maybe three. Um, I do at times make certain videos that are completely sarcastic, like the one I put up last night about Halloween. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but, you know, mostly my channel's not comedy or sarcasm. It's generally fairly focused. Mm -hmm. But sometimes there are certain things you just have to approach with sarcasm because they're so ridiculous. There's no way you can take it seriously. But you mentioned Wait. the Federal Reserve. That's actually, yeah. I think, a very underrated topic. Like, it's so important, and a lot of people don't talk about it. So I think that's amazing that, that you cover that. Because a lot of it, the material sometimes with topics like that can be more dense. But I think it's great I, uh, that you talk about the Federal Reserve and like George Soros, other things, which we'll get into later in the interview. But Of course. Of course. I actually have to just interject and, and agree with you. I think the Federal Reserve and not only just the Federal Reserve, but also the national banks of, you know, for example, the Bank of England, the Bank of Canada, all of these uh, banks that mm -hmm. are basically the money, they print the money supply are one of the largest uh, and one of the biggest obstacles for the freedom of people. And uh, I, th I think it's a very, very important subject that everyone should educate themselves on. And I think if people did educate themselves on it, people like Ron Paul wouldn't be basically a marginalized, or exactly. Rand Paul and his son too, wouldn't mm -hmm. be a marginalized political figure. He would have been president of the United States. Yeah. Because he's been calling for an audit of the Federal Reserve for quite some time now, correct? Yeah, and, yeah, he's, and he's, one of, he's one of the only ones that is. Mm -hmm. He's and one of the only ones that is. Yeah, I've seen articles about this pop up like on Zero Hedge, but that's about it. That you know, not a lot of people are aware that that he is calling for this, or just much about the Federal Reserve in general. So it's really important that you understand it and are covering that, especially because you have such a big audience. But I definitely think yeah. more people should uh, be educated on these kinds of things because they're most important, like the petrodollar. You know, <laughs> the, absolutely things that that people uh, don't talk about that much, but. Hopefully I'll, you know, because I do know a lot of things about it. Maybe I'll try and make more videos in the future. Kind of follow your lead it's, there because they're really important. It's definitely something uh, that I think your viewers would get a lot of, uh, a lot of positivity out of in just uh, their general understanding. So mm -hmm. I, I applaud you in your, in your desire to do so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's due to my dad. He's very into all of this. So that's why I'm interested in politics. But you mentioned the migrant crisis and you cover it a lot and very well, but I just wanted to talk about this really quick, just mainly because it's relevant right now because there was actually a terror attack in the U.S. yesterday. And as we were talking earlier, 
I have been in Europe for the past several weeks and, you know, worried every train I go on, every place I go that there could be a terror attack. But then of course it happens in the USA. I, I mean, it seems like everything has been said at this point, but I, but I still would like to hear your, your reaction to this and what you think the solution is. Well, I mean, we can get into the solution. Um, with regards to the terrorist attacks in New York, but also in general, what I'm seeing is actually something that's really quite not only sad, but sinister at the same time, where basically terror attacks now have become so, and in the words of, uh, of uh, Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, have become such part and parcel of living in a big city. It's almost as if people just take it as, it's been normalized. The, the one attack that happened in New York yesterday, literally, there's just blips on social media. I actually haven't even seen anything. I haven't seen even, you know, you know, pray for New York or any kind of profile flag filters being put up. I haven't actually seen anything. It, it's, it's already like um, one of the, it's the, the size of the story has already been reduced to just a, a little, you know, box on most of the major media. Um, and that's a scary thing because what's happened is that people are now being conditioned to accept yeah. Islamic terrorism as a normal part of their lives, not something that they should not only be outraged about, but demanding answers and not only answers, but actions by their political leadership, which is, is not forthcoming, I mean, as we both know. Yeah. Um, I think that, that this situation is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. It's just a matter of time and a matter of numbers. The problem is, is you're dealing with an ideology and this ideology is for all intents and purposes, an all-encompassing way of life. And part of that way of life is forcing Islam one way or another to take control of societies and, and in the end, even in, in the Quran and uh, the, uh, the Hadiths, but mostly the Quran, it's talked about that Islam one day needs to be ruling the planet. Mm -hmm. So um, I think what we have to do is First of all, have an open and honest conversation about what Islam is and whether or not it's compatible with Western societies. Now, this is not in any way, shape or form trying to say that this is uh, some races are not compatible. This is not about ethnicity, race. This is about an ideology. I mean, I was just watching the video recently about the the uh, leader of Chechnya, and he's a white man, but he's one of the most extreme Muslims uh, mm -hmm. that comes out of his Muslim. I'm not saying extreme. I shouldn't use that word. He holds the doctrines of Islam to be true, and those doctrines, according to Western people, would seem extreme, but according to Muslims, it's just the will of Allah, the Magnificent, the creator of the universe. Mm -hmm. So I think um, in order for these things to be to be reduced, there has to be an honest acknowledgement to what Islam is and the role that it plays in these attacks. Mm -hmm. But the societies that we're living in right now aren't ready to have that conversation. So what we're going to have to do is we're just going to have to wait and have more of these happen. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. uh, as we were talking before, I don't know at what point people will stand up and say no after, after the things that have happened in the UK and Rotherham, after, you know, attacks in pretty much every single country in the EU. I mean, Belgium, you've had them in Belgium, the Netherlands, you've had them in the UK, Spain. I mean, a plethora of them in France, you've had them in Germany. I mean, you get basically jihadist attacks on a weekly basis in, in the, uh, the Scandinavian countries, but they're just classified as crimes. I mean, you've got these rape waves, you know, just washing across the continent. And, um, you, you also have a complicit media that, that tries to hide these facts. Um, 
But I think what it is is human beings, I guess for in time memorial, human beings are very adverse to holding opinions that go against what is seen as the majority opinion. Mm-hmm. So if you, I mean, if you want to translate that back, you know, let's say, you know, 150 years ago, it'd be very difficult thing for you to have a well-adjusted transsexual child coming out and leading a productive life, mm-hmm. you know, 150 years ago and say, you know, Connecticut, yeah. because these, these were not, these were not values that were held and they're not, they weren't the majority of opinion. But now you can say, yes, my, my son wants to chop off his genitals and I'm all for that. And you're applauded as a hero. So Absolutely. I mean, yeah, this is actually the, the, the next question that I wanted to make a segue to, but just to comment on what you were saying before, you know, we need to have the discussion. I agree that people aren't ready to have it, but what's, I think one of the saddest things is there's no loyal to con- loyalty to countrymen anymore. You know, I, when I was in the UK recently, I was talking to an Irish guy, Northern Irish guy from Belfast, I believe, and he said something like, I don't think that our countrymen love enough anymore. We don't love each other. We don't love our countries. Like, for example, me, if I'm watching television, um, he said, and, and I see, you know, someone, one of my countrymen gets murdered in some horrible attack, like robbed and murdered or something. He's like, I feel sadness because he was my brother. And he said that places like the, you know, the UK and Germany and the US, they're, they're losing this. They don't have it. They don't love one another. They don't regard each other as brothers and sisters. And so when they die and when people, you know, they'll just import a completely new culture, completely new people that aren't compatible, they don't care because they don't care how it impacts them. But I think it's also one more point to add is that people aren't used to taking responsibility for the, you know, uh, facing the consequences of their actions. So in doing all of this, they don't think that they're going to have to take responsibility, but they will. And it's going to be in the form of terror attacks and many people dying. Absolutely. I can't, I can't uh, agree with you more. And to make the segue there, you, you said um, onto people gravitate towards the dominant ideology. This is a question that I wanted to ask because a lot of people I see in comments on my YouTube channel just have mentioned over the months that they believe that, that women are just naturally inclined to support liberalism. But if you look at Russia, for example, most of the women support Putin or Turkey. Most of the women support Erdogan, actually more of the women than the men. So do you think it's more that women are just naturally inclined to support liberalism or do you think it's more that they're, they're naturally inclined to be more submissive and maybe follow the dominant ideology, whatever that may be in the particular country? It's actually funny that you mentioned this because just uh, I made a video about this. Uh, Which I wanted to talk about maybe, as well. A great video. Maybe a week, maybe a week ago or so. Um, maybe not the one you're thinking, but I actually said exactly the same thing that, you know, if you go back in history and you look at, uh, you know, women that were in Germany during the Nazi period, they were some of the, the most staunch Nazis. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing with yeah. the communism in Russia and, and this, in the Soviet Union, excuse me. Uh, they were some of the most ardent and uh, steadfast communists. So... If you actually look at the evolution of our species, um, you know, it wasn't, you, you know, you can get into this again, the biology and the evolutionary strategies between men and women. But I would actually be that women, women basically were throughout time and, and only as they've been emancipated in the West, do we seem to forget this. If you just want to take a look at societies like in the Middle East where they're, they're not as emancipated and they don't have as many freedoms. Women are generally dependent upon somebody else for their ability to survive. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see this in places. I mean, it gets absurd, though. I mean, you go to places like Afghanistan where they're not allowed to work. They're not allowed to show their faces and any of these things. But then they're living in a society where everyone's killing everyone, you know, for decades on end. You know, yeah. so you've got you know, all of these 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 uh, widows, you know, with kids and they're all sitting on the side of the street begging for money because they're not allowed to do anything else. So um, I think it goes to the point that, unfortunately, women and this is not a this is not a bad thing because women are oh have been and uh, always were supporters of their husband and this is how mm-hmm. family units would work you have you know you'd have a husband and you have a wife and they support each other in different ways and this is and the, and the building block of societies and civilizations is the family you know civilization is a team sport I keep saying this it's not some atomized individualist um, game to be playing and this gets back to your your comments about when you're talking to the guy from northern ireland and he was saying you know he doesn't feel as though him and his countrymen have very much in common anymore and and quite frankly they they don't really care about each other as much as they used to and i would agree with that and that's part of how societies are being broken down and atomized i mean if you're just this this person that has you know he's, he's got his television i've got mine i've got my television i've got my couch i've got my house i don't need any of you people you know this this mm-hmm. i'm the individualist well exactly. the individualist never survives in the long term by himself mm-hmm. um and it's not a recipe for any kind of healthy society so um to to answer your question i don't think women are naturally liberal i do think women are more naturally nurturing though than Mm -hmm. men and this gets into you know we could get into weird stuff like uh relationships where you have these women that you know they're always trying to say they'll get with some boyfriend who's a you know a a two-bit criminal or he's got some sort of drinking problem or whatever to save him exactly so you get you've got a lot of these women that are in these relationships with men and 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 that's kind of uh, what i'm talking about is a lot of women they definitely have more uh in terms of compassion and, and nurturing than men do. And I think a lot of men, the problem that you see within a lot of the political debates within our society is that women vote and men vote. But the problem is, is women tend to vote emotionally rather than looking at significant problems. But the problem is, is a lot of men are doing that right now as well. I mean, um, we can get into it later, but it's, you know, it goes with, with things like, uh, you know, all of the plastics that are in our society are, excuse me, in our oceans and in our, in our grocery stores and our, in our air and, and all of the pollutants. And I've been reading recently that men's sperm count and fertility is collapsing really? in the industrialized world. Yeah. It's sperm counts over the last 20 to 30, or maybe it might even be 40 years are 50% less than they were 30, 40 years wow. ago. Like the, the, the male sperm count is collapsing. And then you have uh, low testosterone, which can be caused by things like this, you know, uh, chemicals and, uh, and this is not conspiracy. I'm not Alex Jones going, the frogs are keep turning gay because I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that, that, um, a lot of the, uh, the, the feminine traits you're seeing in a lot of the modern men today could be linked to this. I'm not saying they are, I'm just saying it's possible. And, and you do, I do see, uh, the feminization of of younger men i mean like if you look at men you know say who are like 60 70 years old versus guys that are like 20 there's definitely a a difference in masculinity Mm -hmm. between those groups i mean not obviously on individuals but as a whole i've noticed a problem as well but i mean the good thing is there still are some left i've I've met a lot 
a really great, great guys recently, actually, through the Generation Identity Movement. It seems to attract, in the places where it's officially established, at least, some very, very good people. And a lot in Eastern Europe as well. Uh, they're more nationalists in, in, in Eastern Europe, but really some great, great people. And, you know, obviously, I'm not saying there are none in America. There are, there are a lot in America, but it's just, you see them less and less. And I guess, you know, it could be by design. Well, I mean, whether design or whether by accident, it's happening. Yeah. And, um, you know, and the thing is, is what we have is a society now that is based around the idea of everything being emotional. So, oh, the the poor people, they have, oh, just let them in. We'll just mm -hmm. put them on welfare. How are we going to pay for it? We don't know. We'll think about it later. Mm -hmm. There's no idea of, of looking at things um, in practical yeah. terms anymore in our society. Well, it's also a matter of education. Like, for example, me, I, the way that I was educated and raised is that your intellect and your will are your high, higher passions, you know, and then the lower passions like emotion, you, you, you know, are all your emotions. And people are basing everything on those rather than yep. using their intellect and will just to determine it. Well, using their intellect to determine and their will to put it into action. People aren't even taught that these are important things. They're not even taught how to deductively reason now, or they're not educated in a very well-rounded way either. It's very emotional things that they're educated on. So it's just a natural result of our education system and the way people are being raised um, in their households. I agree. I mean, even if you take a look at, at the, uh, the leaders, the political leaders of mm -hmm. many of these countries, you look at, I mean... The difference between Justin Trudeau and Angela Merkel, like, I mean, they are, they're almost the same creature. Everything is emotion driven where Angela Merkel looks a lot smarter than Justin Trudeau. The, the practical policies that come out of their governing style are almost identical. Mm -hmm. I mean, J Justin Trudeau, I mean, you know, people mm -hmm. say I harp on the guy too much, but he is literally the embodiment of a feminist cuckold. I mean, he is, and he's the leader. And if you listen to what he talks about, I mean, I just saw him on on uh, on the uh, internet a few days ago. It might have been about a week, and there was some I don't actually know who he was, but I think he was part of a famous Canadian band, and uh, he died of cancer or maybe leukemia. I'm not exactly sure, but he he goes out to have a press conference about this Canadian singer or band member uh, dying of cancer, and he breaks out in tears. Doesn't even try to wipe them away. Imagine somebody like Winston Churchill mm -hmm. or uh, you know George Washington or, or or John Kennedy starting to mope and cry in front of uh, the the press corps while giving us giving a statement I mean and this is just sort of oh, oh he's a he's a he's a very well-rounded and emotional man I that makes it in touch with his emotions yeah I mean it's, it's the it's real just, masculinity it's, yeah no well, that's the thing and, and the masculinity is is another thing that's just been absolutely uh, thrashed in modern society I mean they even call everything is toxic masculinity or anything to do with masculinity is somehow inherently not good and and that that's another real serious problem in my estimation no I absolutely agree I 100% agree but this is why so many women are able to put the stranglehold on men through feminism it's one of the ways to of course make them ashamed for their masculinity so they just want to cower you know with their tail between their legs but make them feel like it's a horrible horrible thing and then the women can be dominant but really at, at their core, I really don't think that women desire this. They don't want a man who is subservient to them. Unless you're, you know, it's very rare. I think it's very rare. Most women do want to be led. Well, I agree. I mean, even if you look at it uh, evolutionarily, I mean, that's pretty much the way our, 
our species evolved. The video that I mentioned earlier that I wanted to talk about, it was actually the one you based on rules for radicals, Alinsky's rule for radicals, ah, the okay. one in which you mentioned right. the women that they are usually more, they fall in line with the dominant ideologies, which I 100% okay. yeah, right, agree right. with. But this was an amazing video. So for those who didn't, who didn't catch it, I'll link it below. But I also wanted, if you could go through and just give me maybe a brief overview of, of what you talked about in that video, it was kind of how we can turn Alinsky's rules on the left and use them to our advantage. Yeah, absolutely. So if if people aren't uh, familiar, um, Saul Alinsky, he was uh, in the 1970s, he actually wrote this book called Rules for Radicals. And he wrote it actually, you know, strangely, only about a year before his death. So the idea is in his books, I'm just saying that because, I mean, he never got to live to see the, the, the shadow that this mm -hmm. cast over the, the left wing. And um, the idea is he had these, I believe it was 13 rules for radicals and how to use these. And, and you know, his rules were supposedly they were made for people living in poverty to be able to take on people who were in better positions economically who might be thwarting their, their lives one way or another. But it, it was basically, you know, co-opted by the left. Right. And um, those those rules, what I what I thought is there's there's no reason that that other groups can't use these i mean the left has used them they, nobody has a special purchase on these rules and mm -hmm. especially the left and these rules are are basically to be used in order to destabilize your opposition so the idea was in the um in the, uh, the the rules, how would you use them? So, for example, um, he has like a bunch of them. I mean, one of them was, uh, you know, uh, if you have, uh, what is it? Power is not only what you have, but what your enemy thinks you have. Yeah. So, and I talked about how basically, uh, let's say, take a look at, I think the example I used was the NFL. And how you have all of these players basically pretty much sticking their middle finger up at the key demographic graphic that pays for them mm -hmm. to have million dollar contracts to run around with essentially a hand ache and that's their job <laughs> yeah. and um, you know, people that will pay a hundred dollars to wear their name on their back and on, on a jersey like another man buying another man's name to wear I mean it's a really good example for your son but the thing is is, is you're seeing the the results of of this push by the NFL is you're seeing declining ratings and you're also seeing you know stadiums half full and the idea is that people never really realize that they have power. They do have power, and one of the one of the power that we do have is, is economic, and we should use it. Other stuff is is um, I was looking at uh, the idea of the left has used slander and name calling for decades to try mm -hmm. and silence people from just even engaging. I mean, the the, the favorites I, I generally call the ist, the isms, and the ics. You know that whether you're xenophobic yeah. or you're Islamophobic or you're whatever. And, and the thing is, is these, these uh, slander, they, they, they don't, they only hold power if you give them power. And uh, President Trump, I mean, for all of his faults, he's, he's a master at this. I mean, they, they've called him everything. Yeah. And all he does is basically shrug and say, okay, anyway, and let's move on. So it's, it's, they've basically taken away all of the sting of these words because he doesn't give a shit of, yeah. about what they're saying. And so so the idea, those are a couple of them. Uh, you know, there's, there's a few others. Um, you know, if you push the negative hard enough, it will push through and become something positive. And, you know, there's, there's, all you have to do is basically use these rules and just tweak them 
for whatever ideology that you particularly espouse. And uh, and I think it's pretty good because, you know, I, I don't care when people slander me. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you've got an argument, it doesn't make any difference to me what you say or what you call me. You know, so, I mean, you know, people have tried to for ages, but I mean, it's just something that, that doesn't doesn't affect me anymore. So mm-hmm. the idea is I think everyone should read it. It's, you don't have to read the whole book. You can just read the 13 rules and then figure out ways that they might pertain to, to your particular situation uh, insofar as where you, where you land on the political compass. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's a very, very interesting uh, video. If anybody hasn't watched it, uh, take a look. It's, yeah, uh, definitely. It's I'll, I'll link it below so, so people can watch it. But it is very good, even if you're not going to, you're not politically active and there's no way you can really apply his rules, it's really good to read it and understand and educate yourselves on them because then you can, you'll understand how your opponents think at the very least, which is a good thing. But I agree with you that, that you can't be in this if, if you don't get become desensitized to what people call you. If you care what people think about you and what they call you and everything, you're, you're not going to last long. <laughs> no, absolutely not. With the amount, of, the amount of mud that's thrown and the amount of just absolute you know, filth that people yeah. try and paint you with. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you know, when you first start out, you know, it, it is a little bit uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. then after a while, it's just like, yeah, whatever not interested anyway yeah absolutely i actually did want to talk about the the pressure that your channel channel has been coming over especially over the past couple uh months as you've gotten more and more popular but just a couple things before that first of all what do you think in your opinion do you think it's a combination of things that we can use that are the most effective or or is one thing in particular the most effective that we can use such as like activism for example or alt media or you know right-wing political parties what is the one thing that you think that we can use most to our advantage that will be the most effective? I think getting the word out right now, I yeah. think that uh, actions like, for example, we were talking about earlier, things like the Defend Europe campaign yes. was super very, very effective. good because super effective. And one of the reasons it was super effective is because the left couldn't throw you know, a boat out there to try and stop them. This, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so actions like that, that are calculated and are well thought out are very very useful the thing about uh for example charlottesville the problem with that was the bad optics the idea was that you know you had the news media but then you had these uh, anti-fat thugs coming in which were called freedom fighters you know and they were called um you know they were called uh, anti anti-fascists uh, anti-racists anti-whatever and they were cast uh, as the good guys fighting the evil evil do- mm-hmm. doers which was the uh, the uh, I guess the collection of unite on the right so um in my opinion like those kinds of activities at this point in time are only damaging because the narrative can be basically written uh by your opponents so I think right now the most effective thing is to get out the the uh the, the word the message and also then uh basically form or join or become political mm-hmm. i think uh these are extremely important and you can see it with the uh, current uh uh the new incoming austrian prime minister i think the guy's like 31 years old they call him baby um, hitler <laughs> the, okay. the leftist magazines yeah well, of course okay. i mean every, everyone is hitler that you disagree with. Know, but it was just it was a funny headline with, with the photo of him yeah yeah, no, I know. I mean, it's it's. It, I mean, everyone's Hitler who the who the left yeah. disagrees with. So no, it's it's funny. But you see that, you see the the incredible ascendancy. Nineteen, I think, percent or of the vote. I think it was the uh, the the alternative for Germany um, in the last election. Just just ate a chunk out of the uh, CDU, which is Chancellor Merkel's party. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing, um, you know, you saw Brexit. Um, you 
you've seen the the the, the, the voting in of uh, Trump as presidency. There is a silent majority that I think is becoming fed up with this. And the only thing that, that needs to keep getting out there is the message, the real message. And this is why you're seeing a massive clampdown on social media yeah. and, and across the internet. Um, um, it, it's, it's coming in, in, not in trickles or in, in, you know, slightly gentle waves. It's coming as a, as yeah. a tsunami Absolutely. trying to stifle speech that, mm-hmm. that that's going on right now, because I think the establishment realizes they're losing control of the they're narrative. Afraid. I, I, I really believe that. And, and, you know, I try I try and, you know, oscillate between them being, you know, terrified or they're completely retarded. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with they're, they're worried that they're losing their ability to influence. And I mean, the, the, the last election in the United States was almost like, you know, the media, they already were. It was a coronation insofar as it was the, the, the actual election process was just, you know, window dressing for, mm-hmm. for the establishment. Mm-hmm. And uh, Trump winning, I think, just sent reverberations throughout the entire system that rolled on a second. And this is when you see when all of this censorship started to come in is when he won, because I think they're realizing, wait a minute, you know, people are getting too much information that's contrary to the narrative that we're trying to paint. Mm-hmm. So um, I think a lot of it is geared toward making sure the establishment can continue to hand pick those that sit within the political class and make the decisions within that. Mm-hmm. That's fear. I, I have a, I have a couple other questions, but since we're kind of on the topic, maybe we can talk a little bit about the the pressures that your channel's been coming under recently. I know that all, pretty much you're you're demonetized all of your videos and yeah. uh, censored, and then some of your videos were even put in like completely hidden, like the one why women destroy yeah. civilizations, like just completely yeah. like taken off the internet. Uh, so can you yeah. talk about and and all the the major. People have been attacking sure. you. I know, like the Young Turks, they were going after you, and just a lot of different people. Yeah. So, talk about that because I don't think maybe everyone's aware how much you've had to deal with. Like, oh, they yeah, were yeah. really <laughs> trying to take you down. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, well, I had, um, interestingly, I had, uh, there was, his name is Zach Exley, and he was the communications director for the Bernie Sanders campaign. And I guess, obviously, Bernie Sanders was basically thrown under the bus by the DNC in favor of Hillary's coronation, which never happened. And uh, I guess he was looking for a job and he was able to, to secure for himself um, uh, a fellowship at Harvard's Kennedy's Harvard Kennedy Business School's Shorenstein Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got paid $30,000 to write a 7,000 word paper on me. Oh and, um, and I was basically the focus of this. And um, he had two research assistants and they went through everything that I, I, made which is at that time about 100 videos and transcribed them looking for some kind of i don't know i don't know what you want to call it, he was looking for but just something to paint me as some kind of cartoon mustache twirling villain and yeah. um you know i guess in the in the excuse me for that had a slight burp i'm drinking carbonated <laughs> no water worries. sorry and um you know, he, he basically published a hit piece calling me, you know, uh, very similar to the left wing person in his, his economic outlook and certain things. But you would not, you know, you would be duped into believing this when, he, you know, he believes in all of these conspiracies <laughs> and, and uh, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And then this got picked, this got picked up by The New York Times. And then they wrote another hit piece by about me in uh, in the New York Times, and then it got picked up by you know newspapers in Canada and a bunch of other different places, and wow. and you know it, they just started taking this paper at at you know face value, and then once it was run by the New York Times, then everyone just took it as oh well this must be true, 
and then yeah, the Young Turks, and then you know, and then what ended up happening was is I guess the funny part is is YouTube came in after the adpocalypse and said, yeah, we're going to be you know making YouTube a safe space against things like terrorism, violence, uh, uh, hatred, uh, yada yada. You know the the whole smorgasbord of uh, leftist yeah. talking points. You know, like, but the thing is, is so they made this this uh, this new category of video called limited state. Now, a video that breaks absolutely none of the guidelines for YouTube. So a video that has no um, there's there's nothing to take it down. There's, it doesn't break any of the rules. Uh, but YouTube would say, well, we think it's a little bit too controversial, so oh, we're going to okay. put it into limited state. So limited state, you could call it YouTube jail if you like. Uh, it goes behind a, a – it, it does not basically appear anywhere on the site. You have to have a direct link to it. And then even with that direct link, once you – you have to go through, first of all, clicking a button saying you realize that this is you know horrific material and you know, you're know you taking all responsibility for the, the terror in which you're going to live wow. with for the rest of your life having already watched it. Once you get in there, you can't see any – you can't like or dislike – you can't like it. You can't dislike it and you can't see any of the comments. You can't comment. You can't That's even insane. see the view count. You can't wow. even see the view count, and and I and and if you if you, and this was put in place supposedly to clamp down on on extremism in terms of like ISIS and wow. uh, terrorists and uh, you know things like I, I would assume would be uh, you know just just hateful speech. Let's you know let's drop nuclear weapons on on X Y and Z. Um, and I actually, and if you look at it, you know pretty much this was set up by the ADL, which is the Anti Defamation League, which yeah. is a, a group. Didn't they, group, partner, they think, partnered with YouTube recently to police all this yeah. stuff? And were you on yeah, the list, by the way, the like of the thirty-six no, people that were extremists? No, oh, okay, hmm, I wasn't. Surprising. I think you you were on that because I was. Yeah, I was. I don't know yeah, why I was yeah, on it. Yeah, I, so, I, I saw you there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got onto another. I got onto another hate list. Um, I think it was Hope Not Haters. Somebody else. I've been on. Oh, I don't know how many different like, yeah. these lists. And the videos, it's interesting. If you go and look at them now, I, I mean, the vast, vast majority, I have seen uh, basically their their historical speeches by Adolf Hitler. Or uh, there was some guy who was a, a collector of military memorabilia, and he was doing a, a review on, on a German uh, World War II helmet that they would wear in combat. Mm -hmm. uh, just, just some really weird stuff. But my videos, I, I had two put in immediately, and I think they were the first ones that, that they actually ever went out, went out, uh, went out for, and it was the one you're talking about, women destroy civilizations, and that was just kind of a, a clickbait title. Yeah. I mean, that the, the whole the whole thing was talking more about the biology and evolution yeah. of our species, and I blamed men just as much as I blamed women. You know, it's just it's just you know just to get the ball rolling and people watching, and it was all sourced. It was talking about different professors and different uh, mm -hmm. ideas about you know how and even going into uh, DNA and, and 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 biology on reproduction um, how many men in in our our history were able to reproduce versus how many women mm -hmm. you know the percentages right yeah. and uh, it was just some, it was a very very innocuous video like there was nothing terrorist about it there was nothing there was no hate for anyone there was no it was just you know a conversation but the thing was is I'm, I'm sure you know feminists were shrieking and complaining about it so it was basically logged as a as an isis yeah. video and the funny part is, is you can you can you can still go on youtube today you can go on it today and find all kinds of isis propaganda and recruitment tools i even saw and i put it on my my Twitter the other day, you know, I, my, when okay, I'll get I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, another video I put uh, got put into limited state was basically 
100% information that was taken from mainstream media sources about specifically something that they've start to categorize as sexual emergencies. And these are migrants that would yeah. go into swimming pools and they would rape children and women. They would, they would masturbate in the jacuzzis. They would, they basically would just, just right off the fucking charts across yeah. the continent. And it was specifically talking about swimming pools. I wasn't talking about the, the rape waves going on at concerts in Sweden that have to be canceled now because of the, the molestations. Or, or women only concerts. Oh yeah, for example, I wasn't I wasn't talking about Taharush, the Arab quote unquote rape gang, rape game where they surround a woman yeah. in different you know um, tiers and then they just take turns molesting and raping them. I wasn't talking about you know the grooming of thousands of girls in in, in places like the UK and then punting them off and, and pimping them out. I wasn't talking about anything. I was talking only about the escalation. In, in sex crimes and, and violent crimes against women and children and little boys in particular in uh, swimming pools that got put into limited state the whole thing That's the amazing. entire the entire video was sourced from places like the Guardian mm -hmm. uh, the New York Times yada 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 that again I guess it doesn't break any rules but it has too much information for people, especially this was in the lead up to the German elections, I believe. Mm -hmm. I think this is the reason why, because they don't want people knowing the truth. And now recently, I just had another one put in. My third one, I don't even think anyone has two, and I have three. <laughs> the third one was just a philosophical talk about uh, origins, about foundation myths. And, you know, a, a healthy foundation myth for a society or a civilization it can be broken into a few different things. And, and, you know, you know, part of it, you want to have a healthy foundation myth, which I would say, for example, we could look at the United States. I think the found, the original foundation myth was as a, a settler society of people looking and yearning for freedom, mm -hmm. you know, that at the heart of this, that society, the thing that was, you know, held most close to the heart was the family. And, you know, these kinds of healthy, basically foundation myths for societies. And, and this video just talked about, our new foundation myth is rooted in the Second World War, and it basically is a very rotten and poisonous foundation myth. It it didn't have anything to do with terrorism. It didn't yeah. have any hatred in it for any group of people. There was no foul language. I never use foul language. I've actually sworn a couple of times talking to you right now, and I catch myself. I'm like, what am I? I shouldn't do that. And um, you know, and this this next one got put into a limited state, like literally. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a kind of a conversation on philosophical origins and origin myths of societies, and that got thrown into YouTube jail. And and the funny thing is, is if if you request for them to to review it, they never do, and they mm -hmm. never get back to you. And then if you you send them a thing saying what what's going on here, they'll just say, oh, they they basically just send these form responses that have nothing to do with this. So you just give up, right? Yeah. And the funny part is, is is people can actually go onto my Twitter about a week ago. I even found like these two Syrians being beaten to death by security forces in Damascus somewhere. It's like an 18 minute long video of these two guys being beaten with different implements. And the only thing YouTube did was put it on, on, on an age gate, right? So here you have videos talking about, you know, biology yeah. and, and, and philosophy or straight up news. And these are too dangerous and, and they have to be hidden and they have to be censored, even though they don't break any of the censorship. Mm -hmm rules it, of youtube it, and, it really and then you're watching being beat to death sorry go ahead i was gonna say though i think it, it goes to show obviously the information is so valuable and effective that they need to hide it but what what also i think the reason they're doing it is because they're more afraid now that that people are actually ready to hear it 
you know, before, maybe a decade ago, you know, even a couple years ago, you could make a video like this, they wouldn't even care because maybe not enough people would be interested in watching it. But the real fear now is that everyone's ready to hear it. And that's why, you know, it's, it's, it's like that one quote, it's like nothing is as powerful as an idea whose time has come. It's basically like a lot of people now are ready to hear all of this. That's their yep. fear. And they're going to shut down people that, that say these, these, these ideas. And this is, I agree with your quote entirely and this is this is the thing this is the turning points of society and i feel it i feel mm -hmm. something's coming like I, I feel enough people have had it with the current paradigm yeah. and the current just emotionally driven uh narrative that's constantly basically vomited out of the mainstream media that that's parroted in the political class and everyone is supposed to be in some sort of you know conjoined groupthink and and anyone who steps out of that groupthink is a heretic yeah. and this is why this is why terms like racist and xenophobe and and islamophobe all the ists ics and isms are thrown out because these are your modern equivalent of of, of you know witch or or the heretic you know or mm -hmm. a, a blasphemer um and the thing is is, is they can only trout tout out these exactly excuse me um they can only uh, walk these kind of ter terms out because they've been so effective for the last 40 years, but they're pretty much meaningless at this yeah. point. You know, I, I really have to be, uh, you really have to look for a legitimate person who's racist. You will find people that dislike particular cultures. That's completely natural, but it's very, very difficult to find somebody who says, you know what, I don't like this group of people because I just don't like them. Or I don't like the way they look, or I don't like the way they, yeah. uh, you know, I just don't like them for no reason. I, I, it's almost impossible to find people like that. They'll say, you'll find people that say, well, you know, maybe that this group of people in their culture is not compatible with our culture. Yeah, sure, fine. But that's not racism, and mm -hmm. that's not xenophobia, and it's not hatred. It's yeah. it's a reasoned position to have. And it's one that, that most human beings and human societies were able to have up until just very recently. Mm -hmm. That's why they so need to expand the definition of racism so broadly so it'll fit everyone, basically. But you are one of the only people I know of, at least that I'm aware of, that makes very informative, very well done videos about George Soros and everything that he's up to. I'm actually putting together a big series on him right now. It's taking me forever. It's not going to be as cool as yours unfortunately, but it'll have a lot of information oh, sure about him. But for, for those who don't know um, a lot about George Soros and, and everything that he's behind, could you just share a little bit of information, maybe what are a couple facts that you would share about George Soros with someone to, to let them know right. how involved he is in pretty much everything that we're fighting against? George Soros uh, made his money in speculation. He's known as the man that, that broke the Bank of England. Mm -hmm. He's absurdly wealthy via investing. He's uh, a Hungarian national uh, that actually was, uh, during the Nazi occupation, worked for the Nazis. And mm -hmm. he, strangely enough, he's quoted as saying it was one of the happiest times of his life. Um, he is by ethnicity Jewish, but he basically is the, he's the enemy of, of Jews as he is the enemy of most people because his policies, uh, he doesn't have policies, excuse me, he uses his fantastic wealth uh, and he spreads it around. He's uh, got something called the Open Societies Foundations, mm -hmm. and he uses these to, to basically ram policies into countries across the world. He's, he has his nose in countries like the Ukraine, Canada, the UK, the US. I mean, he's, he's, been, he's been fingered as the one that, that funded and bankrolled Black Lives Matter to get it going to just dis 
interrupt the country. He had his he had a hand in the uh, the Ukrainian revolution that ended mm-hmm. up with the uh, the fight between um, and the annexation of Crimea by Russia. He's had to, he's been banned from Israel, and I think he's also been banned. He's an absolute uh, an arch nemesis of Viktor Orban, who is the president of his native country, Hungary. But he's yeah, he, they came out and said lauded, he was Satan, and, and, basically <laughs> hungry. They said yeah, he's yeah, Satan yeah, trying absolutely. to destroy Christian yeah. Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and then the Jews, the Jews in Israel, call him basically the same thing for trying to destroy the Jewish state because you know he's trying to get the whole like refugees matter, refugees welcome in in, in uh, Israel as well. So you know people will try and say, well, he's he's you know he's this no, he's 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 his own thing. I mean, even if even the name Soros, it's Esperanto to soar. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's that's Spanish. not his real his last name. Actually, really... his real last name is Schwar- Schwar- No, no, that's what I mean. Yeah, no, no, that's what that's what I'm saying. His father was a was a big big advocate of Esperanto, and he changed his family name to Soros, mm-hmm. which means in Esperanto to soar. So um, the thing is, is he's he's basically not a good guy, and and scarily enough, I think it was just this week or within the the last week, he donated over eighteen billion dollars. Not not donated, he just. You know, put it into his open societies foundation yeah. now you got to put that into perspective where the u.s the, the last u.s election i think cost less than two billion the whole all of it so i mean he's basically he's got enough money to buy the next nine elections if he wants yeah. you know in the united states um so the guy is is, is a very nefarious he just holds very very far left positions mm-hmm. and he uses his wealth to basically shuffle the political class into doing his bidding I mean, you can see pictures of him with everyone from, I mean, it was actually quite interesting. I, you know, I even thought, you know, man, you know, at least this, this guy's contained to, you know, North America and then he's in Western Europe, then he's in Eastern Europe. There was a a national election here in Japan uh, last week and there's a renegade, uh, the Tokyo governor, she's a lady and she's pretty far left and, and uh, she started up her own, like she's still the governor of Tokyo, the, the metropolitan area, the 23 wards that make up Metro Tokyo. And uh, she basically started her own national political party. Like everyone's going, what, what are you doing? You know, you're the, you're the mayor of a, of the, the metro area. You're not a, a national level politician. Didn't matter. She's pretty famous and she's well connected. She used to be a news presenter. So people know her. And I saw these photographs of her having like dinner and, and lunch and spending the days with George Soros. I'm actually, you know, it's like, no, not even here too. I know. You can't the guy. And Alex Soros as well. If you, is... if you like look at their Instagram, well, Alex Soros anyway, his son, for those who don't know, he's like with all these celebrities. Um, I, actually here in Vienna, it's his favorite hotel, the hotel, uh, I forget the name of it. I'll throw up a picture. Uh, I think Sacher, I, I don't remember, but it's like, he, it was on his Instagram. It's his favorite hotel in the whole world to go to. So I went to to visit it and it's pretty nice, but I took a picture in front of it. Kind of, I, I'm very interested in, in them right now because I've been doing so much research with a, a friend of mine on it for this big series, but it is incredible the amount that he has been involved in US, not only the US, but Europe. Everywhere, Every, he's, everywhere he's, They're like these guy, color yeah. revolutions. That's what they are that he goes around foaming yep. starting. So right now, apparently it's the purple revolution in the US. There was this really interesting article on Zero Hedge that came out at the end of 2016 about Soros and the Clintons, you know, launching the Purple Revolution, but then you have other revolutions he started, but he's been just everywhere and involved in everything. Yeah, absolutely. I, if people aren't familiar with him, they, they should definitely take, you know, just a little bit of time to take a look at who this guy is, what his agenda 
important it is. And whatever country you're listening to this in, uh, don't be surprised if you can find him somehow meddling within the political process of your country yeah. and not meddling in it for the for the benefit of you, the people already living there. I mean, if if he used his his money to build hospitals and to uh, educate people or these kinds, of, I, you know, I, okay, great, that's a great thing to get involved in. But he's not. He's generally getting into social disruption for what he believes, you know, is the endless revolution that you know must come before mm-hmm. you know the whole the whole society turns to whatever you know he whatever whatever delusionary utopia he thinks he's going to build for himself. Yeah. Yeah. And the country, the country targeted as well. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, it, I would behoove, it would definitely behoove your, your, your listeners. Yeah, I'll definitely try and get Sorry, that out as soon as possible. But I do hope that, that you'll keep covering him because they're, they're, they're very good. Videos. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so for my last question, I'm, I'm curious if, you know, because you make a lot of videos, you said sometimes three weeks, it's a lot of work. I'm curious if you enjoy doing it or if you look at it more as a duty, because obviously it's a very difficult thing. And, and I, I don't think many people are aware how much work actually goes into making a video, particularly yours. So do you enjoy doing all of this? And obviously there's a lot that you have to take from the left or is it, do you see it more as a duty and you have to do it because you're uh, of the state I'd of the say, world I'd, right I'd now? Say- I'd say both because the thing is, is, is people that have uh, the understanding and the ability to put their, their voice out into the marketplace of ideas should do so if they feel that it's important. And I think right now our civilization is standing on the precipice. Yeah. It is definitely within you know, uh, a couple of breaths of being extinguished forever. I think it was uh, uh, Victor Orban, he was talking about what's happening right now. And he says, if we get this wrong, it'll be, it'll be forever. This is it. It'll be done. And um, I believe that this is happening. And, and the thing is, is if it was just one psychotically crazy country like Canada or Sweden that just wanted to throw themselves under the bus and, and destroy themselves because they thought that it made them look good and they were virtue signaling to whoever. I, this is the thing. I don't, I don't understand who they think they're virtue signaling to. Nobody gives a shit if Sweden, excuse me, excuse me. Nobody cares if Sweden wants to destroy itself. You know, all you're going to do is go, well, that's too bad that that nice, clean, orderly country is now the grenade capital of, of you know, Western Europe. You know, okay. people throwing grenades in, in spats between rival immigrant gangs. You know, the women are basically afraid to go out walking at night. So these things, you know, not, I don't see anyone congratulating Sweden for destroying their once, you know, pristine and, and beautiful and safe society. I, I think people are looking at Sweden Sweden with, you know, jaws on the floor. Mm-hmm. Going, what is wrong with you people? Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, uh, yeah, I do think it's it's very important. The thing is, is like topics, you know, you get into, for example, the topics I was talking to you about that, that one of the videos I got put into limited state. It's not pleasant making something about, you know, Muslim rape gangs yeah. you know, that are pillaging and plundering the proverbial countryside in in, in the Western nations of, uh, of Western Europe. It's not a pleasant thing to, to put your energy behind, but it's something people need to know because nobody else is doing it. You know, like there are people, but there's the, the, the reach, you know, of, of the mainstream media and their ability to basically not only bamboozle, but also pretty much distract people from what's going on in reality is is mind-numbing so in that respect i kind of do see it as a duty i think it's the duty of every person who is in disagreement with what's happening to our civilization as Mm -hmm. i said if it was one or two countries that wanted to destroy themselves fine but it's literally every single country in the west 
today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, if, if Adler, like, excuse me, like I said, Victor Orban said, if, they, if we get this wrong, it's forever. And these are the only homes we have. And if we give away our homes, we don't have a home anymore. Um, I think we were talking before, before we started the show just about how unrecognizable my home city is to me anymore. You know, it's just, it's just, it's another place. And, you know, fine if somebody wants that to happen, but it, it's not right to force everybody else to follow in the, you know, multicultural rainbow of, of you know, we're looking for the, uh, the, the perfect multicultural society just over the diversity rainbow. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, is, is it's, not, it's not working. I mean, the United States worked before because everyone was forced to become American. They're not, they don't have that same impetus. Today. Mm-hmm. So, um, but with regards to enjoy, yeah, I mean, I enjoy doing s- certain topics. Uh, I do, I do like doing my more like off political topics a lot more, to be honest with you, than, that I, I do every once in a while, just to, just to not always be, you know, talking about, about doom, gloom and black. <laughs> yeah. and yeah. uh, you know, I get black pilled after a while. Um, mm-hmm. so I do, I do enjoy making those kinds. Um, but yeah, it, it is a lot of work. I mean, people don't realize, you know, you watch a, a 10 minute video. I mean, that's just hours and hours and hours and hours of work, uh, with the research and then also like just, uh, putting it together visually. Cause I mean, the, the, the style I do, um, is more, more visually yeah. driven than mm-hmm. most. So yeah, uh, I, I call it, I like, I like to do it. Um, but I also see it as, as a moral imperative because mm-hmm. of the times that we live in. And, um, you know, I, I could look back on my life when I get older and, you know, I would probably regret as I see the, you know, the foundations of my civilization crumbling around me, uh, you know, be disappointed in myself for not, not having said anything. Because the thing is, is the only thing that can happen to you now, the thing is, is everyone is scared. I get, I get emails and, and, and comments and kinds of people reaching out to me talking, you know, that they would like to do this, but they're terrified right. of what, you know their neighbors, their family, their, their job, their community, you know, X, Y, and Z, you just, you know, put the, the label of which community group or which, you know, family group. And they say that they just feel like they're scared into silence, but they're absolutely adamantly against what's happening to their particular neck of the the Western world. And, uh, I would just counter that with the only thing that you can do is consider the idea that you will, let's say, 30 40 years down the road look into the eyes of your grandchildren and then they ask you well why did you allow this to happen to our home you know with the grenades going off in the backgrounds the trash you know filling up the streets you know the gangs going off on each other you know and then basically just living in in something akin to uh i don't know south africa or or brazil you know just just a, a crime infested dump and you say to that 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 uh you know, proverbial or future grandchild, grandchild, granddaughter. Um, I was afraid of being called names. Yeah. So I, nothing. I mean, I mean even you just boil it down to that. I, I interviewed Tommy Robinson recently and he said something like what we're seeing now is the trailer for a movie that hasn't even begun. And the trailer is, seems very bad, but the movie is, you know, a million times worse. I think that, you know, the fear, it's a horrible thing. You're called names. There's ostracized, you being ostracized. You might even lose your job, but if you really put it into perspective, they're very small prices to pay in comparison to oh, what God, we yes. will have to pay. So maybe that's oh, a way absolutely. just to put it in perspective, how bad it will get yeah, if we no, don't do something. 
I, so, I per, yeah, personally, you know, I'm really, I'm really grateful to have you, and I hope you'll stick around despite all, all the crap they, they throw your way and are continuing to do. So I'm sure it's going to get much worse. But it'll be good if we can all, you know, even if we all disagree in certain areas, we can be there at some level to support and encourage each other. I think it's good. But um, I've come to the end of my questions. It's been a really interesting discussion. I've been wanting to interview you again for a while, so I really appreciate your time. Is the best place to find you your YouTube channel and Twitter account? Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically YouTube and Twitter, so long as you don't know, until I get kicked off of those. But okay, uh, yeah, um, Twitter and YouTube are both the best places. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, wonderful. I'll link those in the description. Thank you so much to everyone for watching. Really hope you enjoyed, and thanks once again, Pigeon. It's really been a pleasure. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Brittany. Thanks for having me on. Oh,